it can be easy to take our daily routine for granted. Every day, going through the motions, at some point in time, at the end of our lives, we begin to ask ourselves, what did my life add up to? What did I live for? Who will remember me? What will they say about me when I'm gone? This is your wake-up call. I want to welcome everybody in the room. Also, I want to welcome everybody who's watching us at home as well. We're glad that you have joined with us. We're finishing our series up today called Wake Up Call. And then next weekend is our Easter service. And then the weekend after that, uh, we're going to start a brand new series called Greater Than. God is greater than our worries, greater than our fears. God's got a greater plan for our life than anything we can imagine. God's greater than the worst sin we've ever done. So we're going to do that series right after Easter. But this is a big week. It's a big week in the life of our church. First off, friends, we have stages of the cross. Tell me, please tell me you've gotten your tickets. If you're at home, get your tickets. You're in the room, get your tickets. Go to the Sagebrush app and get some tickets. This will get you set up for the right spiritual moment for what we're going to be doing on Easter. It's a walkthrough experience. It's completely immersive. You don't want to miss stages of the cross. So register now. Tickets are almost all gone. And then later in the week, we're going to have a Good Friday service. Now, this is going to be online only, so don't show up to the church. We're going to be doing Stages of the Cross all day on Friday. But online and on demand, you can watch the Good Friday service. It's a 30-minute service. I put a special message together. We have special music for this as well. And this is a chance for you to get along with your family and your friends and think about what Jesus did for us on that Friday as he dies for our shame and he dies for our sin. You can watch on demand on the website, also on the app. You can also watch on Facebook or YouTube. We're going to do a live feed of this on 7 o'clock on Friday night. And so if you, at some point in time during the day, make sure you watch as a family the Good Friday service. And then, of course, next weekend is our Easter at Sagebrush. We still have tickets available at some of our multi-site campuses. Again, the way to get tickets is to use the Sagebrush app. It can give you all the information right there. There's a QR code email that you're going to get. If you want to come to Riverside and you don't have a ticket, unfortunately, we are already sold out of tickets for the Riverside campus, but you can watch us at home. You can go to another multi-site, and we've been working on the, uh, the service that we're putting on TV and on the stream for the last three months. I just got a chance to preview it a couple of days ago, and it came out absolutely amazing. You know, friends, on Christmas Eve, we had over 120,000 people that watched our service, and we're hoping that you'll spread and share that social media content of our Easter service with as many people, and our hope is that we can have 150,000 people watching our Easter services this year. So help us by, by sharing that, all right? Okay, so right now, we're going to finish up wake-up call. Now, last week, we talked about hell, and I promised you that this week that we're going to talk about heaven. So I'm going to start off by asking you a question, and then you can talk amongst yourselves as to what your answer would be. This is one of those would-you-rather questions. Remember that series we had a few months back, would-you-rather? Here's your would-you-rather question. Would you rather live for 50 more years on this earth, or would you rather go to heaven today? All right, that's the question. Go ahead and talk amongst yourselves. Which would you rather do? Would you rather spend 50 more years on the earth? I'm even going to give you good health during those 50 years, okay? You, you won't, your back won't go out anymore. You won't have any more joint pain for the next 50 years. You can say 50 more years on the earth, or you can today, you can go to heaven. All right, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but now you know what you would have picked, right? 
Survey was taken to find out what most people would take. You ready for this? Most people said they would stay for 50 more years on this earth. And I understand that. I understand that. They want to see their kids grow up. They want to see their grandkids grow up. They want to experience everything that the earth has to offer. And then they'll go to heaven, right? Now, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But the reason why many of us would choose 50 more years on the earth is because our idea of what heaven is all about just simply isn't that great. And Hollywood is the one that has done this to us. Hollywood has made us believe that everything that happens in heaven is just white, right? There's clouds for as far as the eye can see. It's like heaven has a giant fog machine. You know what I mean? It's this giant fog machine. Do you ever notice on TV, movies, when they depict heaven, this fog machine's not good enough, but it, the fog will go up. Nobody in heaven has legs. You ever notice that? You ever see that on TV, in the movies? It's like this. It's white, puffy clouds for as far as the eye can see. And there's no fashion sense in heaven. Everybody wears the same thing. What color do we wear in heaven? Yeah, we all wear white in heaven. You don't even get to bling the robe, you know? You don't get to bedazzle it in any kind of way. It's just the same old white robe. It's like prison. Everybody wears the exact same outfit. Not only that, but the music in heaven is terrible. You ever, I mean, think about the music in heaven. It's not the kind of music you're going to crank up in your car, right? What's it sound like? Oh, oh, oh. That hurts to do, I tell you what. You hear that weird music? That's, 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 that's heavenly music right there. Kind of music you'd hear like in a funeral home or something like that, right? So let me, let me see if I've got this right. If Hollywood would have us believe this, heaven is a place where it's just white for as far as the eye can see, right? There's no mountains. Can you imagine? No mountains. And, and, and there's no ocean. Uh, my Belizean friends, can you imagine right now uh, you're in a place where there, you're never going to see an ocean ever again? That's what Hollywood would have you believe. It's a place where everybody wears white robes, floating on clouds, listening to cruddy music. No wonder people said, you know what, I'll spend 50 more years on this earth because heaven's, well, heaven's okay. It's a little bit better than hell, right? Other people think heaven is like a church service. You know, you just go to church all the time. That's what heaven is. You just go, just go to church. Now, I love our, 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 our worship services. I love the music that we do here. I love the videos that we show. I love it when we sing together. I love every aspect of our weekend worship services. But if that's what heaven's like, I'll take 50 more years on this earth. And I'm the pastor of this church. Do you understand what I'm saying right now? Because we have these weird, wiggity-wack ideas, these preconceived ideas that heaven is a boring place where opera music is being sung and everybody's floating around with harps and everybody's got wings and all that. We're like, eh, it's great, but I really don't want to go right now. How different people in the United States are compared to other countries. There was this African young man who came over here for college. Brilliant, brilliant young man. And on the weekends, he would go to different churches. And as he went from church to church to church to listen to the pastors, one of the things that shocked him was that not one pastor ever mentioned heaven. Not in one of his messages, not in one of his talks, and he was kind of taken back by that. And this is what he wrote. He said, everyone in America has so much that they think they don't need heaven. In my country, most people have very little. So we preach on heaven all the time. 
we know how much we need it. John Weiss is a pastor, and he was on a mission trip to Haiti. We do lots of mission trips to Haiti. We have great partners in Haiti. And uh, he was there at a school, and he asked the kids to bow their heads and close their eyes on their desk, and he was going to describe heaven for them so they could imagine it in their minds. So he begins to explain the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of all that heaven is. And then he has the kids open their eyes. He says, does anybody have any questions? Every kid raised their hand up immediately. One little girl raised her hand, and she, she lived with several of her brothers and sisters. In fact, she shared a bed with five of her brothers and sisters. She said, she said Pastor John, will I have my own bed in heaven? He said, well, absolutely you will. Another little girl raised her hand. She was malnourished. She said, will there be enough to eat in heaven? And John said, you'll sit at the great banquet table of God and have all that you want to eat. Another little boy raised his hand. His dad had died in a drowning accident. His mom had died when their house caught on fire. He said, I want to see Jesus. I want to see Jesus. And John looked at that little boy and said, me too. Me too. The Bible says this about heaven in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. It says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. Of course, the person who wrote that verse of Scripture knows what he's talking about. That's the Apostle Paul, the greatest missionary to ever walk the face of the earth. Did you know that he got a glimpse of heaven before he died? He writes about what he saw and what he experienced in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is what he says. He says, I know a man in Christ. Now, he's talking about himself. Paul's such a humble person. He's talking to the third person. Hey, I know a guy, but the guy is actually him. I would never would have done that. If I was the apostle Paul, I'd say, you know, the other day I was in heaven. I don't know if you know that or not, but you need to check me out because I was in heaven. And I think every time I would write a sentence, I'd be like, uh, by the way, I was in heaven just the other day, if you didn't know that. It's, I think I'd just bring it up again and again and again. But not Paul. Paul's so humble. Paul's so different from me. Paul says, hey, I, I know a guy. I know a guy, and he says this, who 14 years ago was caught up into the third heaven. You say, what in the world is that? Third heaven, what does that mean? Well, they didn't have a great understanding in the first century of the universe. And so for them, the first heaven was the atmosphere. That was the air that you breathe. And the second heaven was where the sun, the moon, the stars resided. And the third heaven was just beyond that. It represented the presence of God. So Paul writes, he says, listen, I, I know a man, he's talking about himself, who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. This man, again, talking about himself, was caught up to paradise where he heard inexpressible things that man is not permitted to tell. Paul says, I saw things. I saw amazing things, things that absolutely blew my mind, things that I can't even put words to. I can't even describe it for you. But the beauty and the majesty and the splendor of this place was overwhelming. No eye has seen. No ear has heard. No mind has even conceived, even come close to coming up with what's going to be in this place. It's going to be amazing. Now, that shouldn't surprise any of us because God is a very creative God, isn't he? Think about the first paradise that God created. That first paradise was earth, right? It was, it was in the Garden of Eden, and everything was just the way that it was supposed to be. God made Adam out of the dust of the ground, and Adam had the ability, because he was made in the image of God, to walk with God in the coolness of the garden. 
And there was no animosity between Adam and the animals. They just would come up and have a great time. In fact, God gave Adam the privilege and the responsibility to name all the different animals. And why in the world did God have him do that? Because he wanted to show Adam that there just wasn't anybody for for companionship for him. And so Adam was lonely after he did all that. And God said, this is not good. And so what did he do? He put Adam in a deep sleep. He took a rib from his flesh. He made woman from the rib that he had taken from Adam. And then he brought her to Adam and he's absolutely blown away. He's like, wow, this is amazing. What a tremendous gift. And the Bible says they were naked all the time. Naked all the time having babies. If that's not paradise, I don't know what paradise is. Right? It was awesome. There was no sin. There was no shame. There was no blame game. There was no arguments. There was no yelling. It was perfect. There were no tsunamis. No hurricanes and no tornadoes and no floods. It was just the way it was supposed to be. And oh, the creativity of God. God didn't have to go to all this detail. God didn't have to go to all this trouble. I mean, really, God, did you have to put stripes on a zebra? But it's pretty cool that he did, isn't it? Did you have to put a hump on a camel? Did you have to make a walrus look like that? I mean, that's incredible right there. Did did you have to make hundreds of different kinds of bananas? And yet, you didn't know that, did you? There are hundreds of different types. You would think one would suffice. But God says, no, I'm going to give you hundreds of types. Did you know within a one square square mile in the Amazon forest, there are over 3,000 different specimens of trees in just a one square mile radius? Did did you know that a caterpillar has 228 distinct muscles on their face? God did all of that. And look at the variety. Look at the creativity of every person that you've ever encountered. How different we all are. How we look so very, very different. Just our laugh is so different, isn't it? There are those who are snorters when they laugh, right? We got the snorters out there. Got the wheezers when they laugh. We got the obnoxious laugh, right? The contagious laugh. My wife, she'll be in the foyer talking to someone and she'll get to laughing. And my office all the way back over here, my door will be closed and I can hear her laughing in the foyer. I hope there's never a day I don't hear that beautiful laughter of my wife. Why in the world did God go to all this trouble? Why did God do all of this for us? Look, he did it in the same reason that we go and we look for gifts for those that we love. He made all this as a gift to us. You ever gone out to find a gift for someone that you wanted to wow? I mean, you wanted to absolutely blow them away? You wanted to find just the perfect gift and wrap it up and hand it to them. And when they unwrapped that gift, you were like, wow, their jaw would drop. They would say, you did this for me? I remember uh, getting ready to ask Christy to marry me, and I looked everywhere for, for a diamond ring, everywhere. I didn't have a lot of money, 
and uh, I'd saved some money, but I didn't have a whole lot of money, and I went from one jewelry store to another jewelry store to another jewelry store just trying to find a good deal on a ring. I ended up in this one little jewelry store I'd never heard of before, and the guy who was the salesman who owned the store had the filthiest mouth I've ever heard in my life. He described a diamond to me using words I never thought would be used to describe a diamond, okay? Do you understand what I'm saying? But I didn't care. You know why I didn't care? Because his prices were cheap. That's why I didn't care. And I remember finding that right diamond and him teaching me about diamonds and and how they're graded and how there's flaws in them and putting them under microscopes. And it was just absolutely amazing. And when I saw the diamond and I saw the setting that I was going to put that in, I was so excited to get that. Because I knew in just a few weeks I was going to get on one knee and I was going to say, I can't imagine spending another day without you. Will you spend the rest of your life with me? And I wanted her to look at that ring and go, absolutely, because that ring is awesome. You not so much, but the ring, yes. Next time you see a sunrise, next time you see a sunset, next time you're walking along the shores of the beach in Belize, next time the Sandia Mountains turns pink and it takes your breath away, Pause for a moment. Let the Holy Spirit of God speak to you in that moment. Let him whisper in your ear, I did that for you. I did that for you. Now the Bible teaches that God created the heavens and the earth in six days and then he rested on the seventh day, right? You know that. Six days rested on the seventh day. Look at this, John chapter 14 verse 1 Jesus speaking here he says don't let your hearts be troubled trust in God trust also in me in my father's house there are many rooms if it were not so I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am Okay, God created the heavens and the earth in six days and rested on the seventh day. Jesus said that almost 2,000 years ago. Just out of curiosity, do you think he's going to settle on just the color white? Do you think he's going to skimp in any manner whatsoever? Do you think he's going to miss a single detail? Come on, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what he has in store for us. Now, I'm going to say something to you, and this is going to absolutely just kind of blow your mind away. All right? You ready? Whenever we talk about someone who has passed away, we always talk in a funeral situation that that person has gone to the heaven that's mentioned in Revelation chapter 21 and 22. You've probably been to the funeral services before, and they say, where is my loved one now? And they say, well, he's walking on streets of gold, right? That's, that's where they're at. And that's, that's the main thing that we talk about when it comes to heaven, because that kind of summarizes it all. When, you're, when the pavement is gold, everything else is pretty good. I'm going to say something that's going to shock you. When your loved one passed away, they don't go to the heaven in Revelation 21 and 22. That is the new heaven. And that happens at the very end of the age. 
What happens when your loved one dies now is they go to Revelation chapter 4. Scholars call this the intermediate heaven. Don't get hung up on that name. It's not a biblical name. It's just to describe this place. It's the intermediate heaven. They stay there waiting to enter into the new heaven at the end of the age. Now, we're going to go in the deep end for just a second, so kind of paddle with me for, okay? But I'm going to show you a chart of how it's all going to go down. Now, there's going to be some debate when I show you my little chart, and, and, and it's going to be about the rapture. People say, like, I don't believe the rapture is going to happen here. I think it's going to happen at the midway point, or I think the rapture is going to happen at the end of the tribulation period. I'm not going to fight you about that. This is my chart. You go start your own church, make your chart, all right? This is my chart. This is what I teach, all right? So the rapture of the church is going to happen. You say, what in the world is that? I don't know what that is. Okay, well, the Bible says that there's going to be a day when God, Jesus is going to crack open the sky, and the dead in Christ will rise up. And those who are alive will be caught up with him. It'll be the trumpet call of God, the, the voice of the archangel, in the blink of an eye, like a thief in the night, Christians will just disappear from planet Earth. And then what happens next is called the seven years of tribulation. God will pour his wrath on mankind. And it'll be seven of the worst years that this world has ever seen or ever experienced. During this seven-year period, there'll be hyperinflation. Hyperinflation. The Bible says that a week's worth of salary won't pay for a loaf of bread. There will be suffering during this seven-year period unlike anything the world has ever seen, and millions and millions and millions of people are going to die during this time. Famines and earthquakes and pestilence and plagues. It's COVID-19 is going to be nothing compared to what's going to go on during this time. It's going to be awful. That's why you want to make certain that you have a relationship with Jesus so that when he cracks open the sky and takes us to be with him, you don't have to endure this seven years of tribulation. So during the seven years of tribulation, at the end of it, Satan is defeated. He's thrown into a bottomless pit. That happens at the Battle of Armageddon. The Battle of Armageddon is where all the kings of the earth gather against Jesus. And Jesus wipes them out with just the sword that comes out of his mouth. Just the word of God wipes. This battle doesn't last long at all. It's not even close. The blood that is going to happen in that battle goes up to the bridle of the horses. This is not good. Okay, so what happens after this? Well, there's the millennial reign of Jesus on this earth. For 1,000 years, Jesus will actually reign on this earth. And at the end of that 1,000-year period, Satan is unleashed for one final deception. You say, why in the world would God unleash Satan again? Well, all these people who were born and lived during this 1,000 years never got to choose to accept or reject Jesus. Everybody gets the choice to, to accept or reject Jesus. So Satan is unleashed for one final deception. And amazingly enough, a lot of people during this time are going to be deceived and they're going to turn their backs on Jesus. And then Satan is thrown in the lake of fire and then the great white throne judgment happens as a result. This is the judgment that happens for the unbeliever. Books will be opened, the books of your life, if you have never trusted Jesus to be the leader and forgiver of your life. And every unkind word, every unkind deed, every time you should have done the right thing and you did the wrong thing, it will be read out loud for all to hear. For those of you who think you can be good enough to get to heaven, on that day you'll realize how bad you really were. And he'll look at you and say, depart from me, you evil and wicked person. And he will place you in that space that we talked about last week, that space where God doesn't exist. You'll get it your way. You want nothing to do with God on this earth, you'll have nothing to do with him for all of eternity. 
Then there is the new heaven and there is the new earth. Revelation 21 and 22. Okay, so my dad died in 2009. So the question I had was, where did my dad go? Revelation chapter 4. You say, well, what's Revelation chapter 4? You should go home. You should read Revelation chapter 4 because that's where your loved one is right now, waiting for the end of the age to come. Revelation 4 is about where a, a multitude of believers are in the throne room of God, and they are worshiping him. And they are singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. They are feeling love like they've never felt before. They are amazed at the grace of God, the love of God, the peace of God, the presence of God. Oh, my goodness. Their faith has become sight. And, and, and they love each other and they care about each other. The Bible says this goes on until, until God says enough of the things that are going on on this earth. And then the heavens grow silent in Revelation chapter 4. And it grows silent because everybody's waiting for someone who will come forward to open the books, the books of judgment that come during the seven years of tribulation. And there's no one worthy. There's no one worthy. And so all heaven begins to mourn over the fact that no one is worthy. And then Jesus stands and says, I am worthy. And they just erupt in this amazing praise-a-thon. Listen to me, when you get to Revelation 4 heaven, you're not going to be typing on your cell phone during this worship service. You're not going to be checking your email. You're not going to be texting somebody back. You're going to be fully aware of the presence of God, the love of God, the grace of God, and you will worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords forever and ever and ever. To him be all praise and all honor and all glory. What a great moment that's going to be. All right, end of the age comes. We go to Revelation 21 and 22. What's that place like? Jesus has been working on that thing for over 2,000 years. So what's it going to be like? Well, the Bible tells us. Look at this with me. Revelation chapter 21 says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth has passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Look at verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. You ready? No sickness in heaven. No death in heaven. No chemo drips in heaven. There's no cancer in heaven. There's no Alzheimer's in heaven. There's no leukemia in heaven. There's no kids in wheelchairs in heaven. Bodies that were crippled and will be straight and will be strong. It'll be just the way it's supposed to be. There'll be no funerals in heaven. There'll be no goodbyes in heaven. There'll be no graveyards in heaven. There'll be no cemetery services in heaven. Doesn't it make you want to go to this place already? 
Look at what happens next. There's no sin in heaven. Verse 5, the curse of sin is over. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. Now, this one gets me really excited because there's not going to be anybody breaking into your car and stealing your car anymore. And believes they're not going to steal your golf cart anymore. Doesn't that sound good? Not going to steal your bike anymore. How many of you had your car, your bike, your golf cart stolen at some point in time? Anybody at all had it broken into? Yeah, you live in Albuquerque. That makes sense. Yeah, just about everybody would have their hand up there. There's nobody breaking into your home anymore. Think about this, dads. No more walking the house before you go to bed, checking every door, making sure they're all locked, and checking that security system to make sure that it's armed. You won't need locks on your doors. Nobody's there to hurt you. Nobody's there to take your stuff anymore. You don't need an alarm system. You don't need door, locks on doors anymore. In, in heaven, nobody wants to hurt you with their fist or with their words. There's no gossip there. There's no slander. There's no lying. There's no hypocrisy. There's nobody looking in the eyes of their bride or their groom and saying that they promise them a lifetime to only give them a few years. There's nobody abandoning their kids. There's no racism. No bigotry. There's no prejudice. For the old order of things has passed away. All the sin is gone. And your mind will be completely redeemed. How many times do you battle with your mind during a week because you find your mind wandering off to one sin to another sin, imagining this or imagine that? It'll finally be clean. It'll finally be pure. You won't have to battle with it anymore. Won't that be great? And you'll be reunited with those who have gone before you, and you'll recognize them. How do you know that? Well, Jesus recognized Moses and Elijah on the Mount of Transfiguration. When Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, he said, I look forward to seeing you in heaven. He acted like he was going to know exactly what they looked like, who they were. In fact, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 says, After this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and in front of the Lamb. According to this passage of Scripture, we'll retain our racial and ethnic identities as well as our personal identities. And we will sit, this is so cool, we will sit at the great banquet table of God and every race and every tribe and every nation will be represented at this table and we'll eat and it's all fat free. And you can eat and eat and eat and eat and we won't look at anybody and treat them differently because of the color of their skin. All the stupid stuff that's going on in our world today and all the terrible things that we're saying about each other and all the injustices that are happening, that'll all cease in this place. Doesn't it make you want to go there? You'll see people like David. He'll tell you stories about it. How was a snot-nosed teenager? He ran out onto the battlefield and took on that giant Goliath. You'll sit down at the feet of Moses and he'll tell you about that day when God parted the Red Sea. You'll hang out with Joshua and he'll talk about how the walls of Jericho fell down at the trump blast of God. You get to talk to Jonah about what it was like to live in the belly of a great fish for three days. 
You'll ask Daniel, were you scared in the lion's den? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego will teach you how to dance on the fire and come out of it not even smelling like smoke. And the best, you'll be reunited with your family who's already gone to the other side. I'll see my dad, my brothers again. And I'll never have to say goodbye. You'll never have to put your whole world in a box and watch it be lowered down six feet into the earth. You'll be with them forever. Some of you, you've got children on the other side. You've got parents on the other side. You've got spouses on the other side. Do you ever think about this day? How amazing this day is going to be. It's going to be such a great reunion. And friends, I think the closest thing we have to a reunion like this is when you see a military man or woman come back from a, from a, a, a time of duty and they come back and they surprise their family members when they arrive. Have you ever seen the videos of those types of things? Take a look at this. Those get me every time. Don't they get you? Aren't you proud of our military? Have they sacrificed for us? My goodness. Gosh. What a great day that'll be. One 92-year-old woman says, uh, she said, I hope I die sooner. My friends are going to think I never made it. <laughs> what's the best thing about heaven? I mean, all that's pretty good, isn't it? But what's the best thing? We're going to see Jesus. Your best friend. Your Lord, your Savior, King of kings and Lord of lords. The one who came and lived a perfect sinless life and died on the cross so that you could be forgiven of your sin. So that you could have a home with him forever. Friends, we're going to a place where there's love and there's joy and there's peace and there's patience and there's kindness and there's goodness, and there's gentleness, and there's faithfulness, and there's self-control. We're going to see the king. And he's going to reward you. This is what's so ridiculous. He's going to reward you for every act of service. Even when you gave a cup of cold water in his name, he's going to reward you for that. And you're going to hear him say, well done, 
good and faithful servant. Look at what the Bible says here. Revelation 21 verse 3. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men. And he will live with them. And they will be his people. And God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. It just hit me. We won't need a president or a congress anymore in heaven. Now I want to go there just because of that. Aren't you tired of the division? Aren't you tired of the fighting? You're a Christian, right? Whose side are you on? You're on the Lord's side. That's the side you should be on. Do you remember when Joshua was going in to lead the children of Israel into the promised land? And an angel of the Lord stopped him. Joshua got ready to pull his sword. He said, whose side are you on? And the angel said this, I'm on the Lord's side. We're all going to be on the Lord's side. No more division. No more of what we have here. We're leaving this pit (laughs) behind. And we're going to walk on streets of gold. That's why the Bible says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived. What he has prepared for us. You'll say wow. You did all of this for me. Now you got to be asking yourself the same question I'm asking myself. What's it cost? Because a place like this, this. This sounds better than Beverly Hills. This must be very expensive right? Well let's see what the Bible says. Revelation 21.6. Jesus said it's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I'm the beginning and the end. To him who is thirsty, I will give to drink without cost. It's free. Give you a drink without cost from the spring of the water of life. He who overcomes will inherit all of this, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. It's free. It's free to us. But it costs God an awful lot. Jesus came, lived a perfect, sinless life, was beaten beyond recognition, hangs on a cross, taking our sin and our shame. He cries out that our sin debt has been paid in full because of the sacrifice that he made. And he did it all so that he would never be in one day without you, so that you could spend forever with him. Oh, friends, we're going to heaven, not because of anything we've done, but because of what he's done for us. Because he is the leader and he is the forgiver of our life. And Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What does that mean? Boss. He's ruler. He's your guide. He's the one who calls the shots. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart. That word believe is the Greek word pistos, which means faithing. You put all your weight, all your trust, all your hopes in Jesus. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the boss of your life and you put all your weight on him. You will be saved. Then say you might be saved or you could be saved. He says you will be saved. It all is free because Jesus paid the price. Let me share with you the last couple of verses in the Bible. Revelation 22, verse 17. The spirit and the bride say, come. 
And let him who hears this say, come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of the water of life. Jesus said, behold, I am coming soon. Friends, are you ready for that day? Do you know where you're going to go when you breathe your last breath on this earth? Because there's only two options. There's heaven and there's hell. There really is a heaven and there really is a hell. And people really are going to one place or the other. And Jesus has done everything he can. He's extending his hand of friendship to you. He wants to lead you and guide you. He wants to forgive you for every stupid thing that you've ever done. Have you ever trusted in him? Have you confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? And do you believe and put your full weight in him? And if you haven't, what are you waiting for? Let this be your wake-up call. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to go to heaven because it, it just sounds amazing. So much better than this place. This place is such a dump. We hurt each other. Everything on this earth is trying to kill us. You've overcome it all. And if we'll place our faith and trust in you, well, we're just passing through. And our real home is with you in heaven. Lord, I pray for anybody who doesn't know that. Who doesn't have the assurance that when they breathe their last breath on this earth, that they would breathe their first breath with you. I pray today would be the day of their salvation. Today would be the day they would confess with their mouth that you are the Lord. You are the ruler. You are the boss. You are the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they would put their full weight, their full trust in you. And Lord, that they would never worry, not for one second, for the rest of their life, what's going to happen to when they die. Because they've trusted in you and you are trustworthy. And what you say you will do, you will do. So Lord, I pray for a moment of clarity for anybody who doesn't know you. That today would be the day they would surrender their life finally over to you. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.